Hey everyone, you're listening to But Why Though the Podcast, the podcast where Kate, Matt, and myself, Adrian, talk about the things people say matter and ask the question, but why though? Before we get started, make sure that you rate, review, and subscribe to us on iTunes, Stitcher, Google Podcast, or wherever you're listening to us on. It helps people find us, and it helps us find you. And if you want to support us a little more, head over to our Patreon at patreon.com slash butwhythopc. As one of our lovely patrons, you get access to episodes early, along with show notes, but why those swag, and personalized content. But really, we're just happy you're here. Enjoy the show, and welcome to the Familia. of But Why Though the podcast and today we're taking a look at Critical Role. As always I'm here host Kate. I'm here with Adrian. Hey how's it going? And Matt. Hello. And as probably the biggest D&D fan on the podcast Adrian will be leading us through this episode. Yeah we're doing it. We're talking about Critical Role and D&D. Um, if you are wondering why we're dedicating a whole episode to Critical Role when we've already done a whole episode on D&D during uh, episode 59. Well, they're big enough where I think they deserve their whole episode. They've gone from really, really small to basically doing live shows at New York Comic Con and selling out theaters. Yeah. So that's why we're going <laughs> to talk about them today. And as per usual, we'll start off with a question. And... I wasn't really sure how to do it because last time we on our D&D episode, if you haven't listened to it, we talked about like what kind of characters we'd be, um, and I wasn't sure how familiar you guys were with Critical Role like in and of itself, so we're just going to go with that. How familiar are you with Critical Role? Uh, so I've watched a few of their episodes. I just have a really hard time like catching, like I, have, I don't have cable. I'm like, I'm, I'm not in the like things, how do you say it? Like They usually do Twitch. Well, I know, but I'm saying, like, I don't have cable. I'm no longer in the mode of sit down in front of my TV at 7 o'clock to watch this. And so, like, getting back into that mode has been kind of hard. Um, but the episodes that I have seen, I've really, really liked, and I really love the cast. So um, I am I need to get on it and watch more. But I know who they are. I just can't tell you all of the stuff from the different seasons and everything. I know they exist. And I know they play D&D, and I know they're big, and I know they're on Twitch and YouTube. And that's about it. <laughs> I don't watch them. I never have watched them. I don't really care to watch D&D. It's not like it's bad, per se. I think I've watched a few, but haven't been Critical Role ones. I just don't find it that fascinating. So, we'll just go quick through a brief background. Like, they don't have like a super long history, right? Like, they haven't been around for um, more than 10 years or anything. But I'll give you a background of kind of how the games got started and how they've kind of got from where they were to where they are and then we'll get into some of the but why those which some include their charity work which um, I think is one of the biggest reasons why they're such a great um, staple for 
uh, fandom in general. So Critical Role is a weekly live stream Dungeons & Dragons game set in um, Zandaria, which the world is created by the DM, uh, who is an amazing voice actor, Matthew Mercer. Each week, Matthew leads his friends and fellow voice actors on epic adventures on Twitch and YouTube primarily. Um, the Critical Role storyline occurs in a campaigns made up of a series of story arcs that are played over multiple episodes. Between the major story arcs, the characters rest, resupply, go on side quests. In addition, each character has a backstory, an unfinished part of their history that enters into the campaign at irregular intervals. So there's lots of character development within their characters, lots of mystery and intrigues. Basically turns into like a weekly soap for me at the end of the day. <laughs> um, the first campaign began about two years ago. Um, prior to the series even being streamed or anything, it was just a simplified Dungeons & Dragons 4th edition game for one of the cast members' birthdays where a bunch of like them got together because they uh, knew each other through the industry. But the group enjoyed the initial game so much that they just continued to play. They switched over to Pathfinder, which is like a revised version of the 3rd um, edition, and continued playing their story as the super high-intensity team, or shit. <laughs> um, <laughs> Felicia Day, who... Uh, I mean, do I have to explain who Felicia Day is? You should all know who Felicia Day is, right? <laughs> I think like if so. You're, if you're geek pop culture, you should know who Felicia Day is. Uh, she had heard of the, he had heard about their private home games that they'd had and approached the group uh, about doing it on stream with Geek and Sundry. So in order to streamline the gameplay for the live show, the characters were converted from Pathfinder over to Dungeons & Dragons 5th Edition, which around this time had just come out. Um, in 2014, and by 2015, March 2015, they began airing the show weekly, um, and they had to switch up their group name to something that wasn't uh, <laughs> super super high intensity team for obvious reasons. Yeah, so basically, like they just were just playing at home together. They there if you go like on YouTube, it's a bunch of their home games, like home videos of them just getting into it and going crazy, like in someone's dining room and. Because all these people are connected, particularly like Felicia Day and Ashley Johnson, one of the cast members, are real connected in like the Hollywood industry, they invited them to go on Geek and Sundry, and everything kind of just took off from there. So we'll talk about these actors more in depth when we get to the cast parts. I think the cast really makes this. I don't know if this would do as well if you just plugged in different people. Yeah. But the uh, voice actors include Matthew Mercer, Ashley Johnson, Laura Bailey, Liam O'Brien, Marisha Ray, Sam Regal, Talison Jeffrey, and Ch uh, Travis Willingham. So in terms of the show, um, they're just broken up into different campaigns, and the first campaign that they had um, was with Vox Machina, which is um, the one that they were they had to change the name to. And just for reference, like I'm not going to give you like a whole bunch of storylines of any and any of the stuff. I think like it's the storylines and like the, the intrigue is like enough. And they just started the second campaign, so I don't want to give too much of the um, background into what happens in the storyline. But just for like the sheer numbers, the first campaign was streamed from about 2015 and ended in November 2017. But they had that campaign going since like 2013 or so, so it was going. It went for a very very long time. In terms of the arcs that were streamed, it was cut into six different story arcs. Um, and it totaled 115 episodes 
from start to finish when they were streaming it. And there's this wonderful website called um, Crit Stats, and they basically keep track of like how many hours they've played, how many Damn. you know natural ones they've gotten, how many natural twenties, and things like that. And they recorded seven hundred. Uh, and 73 hours of total gameplay that these people play through. And that's just from 2015 to 2017, not even counting probably the hours that they had before. Because you have to consider, like, each of these episodes takes about three to four hours, depending on, like, how into it they get or how far they get into it. Um, And Kate and I can tell you from trying to do our own games um, through, like, the podcast, like, those games just, like, last and oh, it's kind of yes. hard to find like a stopping point. It's like when your mom was like, "Oh, just tell, just pause the game and just come back later." Like you, know, you have to find a good stopping point, and sometimes it takes longer than others. Um, in terms of like the in-game days, they even tracked like how many in-game days they had, and they had four hundred and fifty-four in-game days that span that time period. And if you go look on their YouTube channel, about every episode has at least five hundred thousand views, some ranging up into like the millions. But it usually ranges from about 500 to 600 views, and over 115 episodes is a lot of views. Damn. Um, their second campaign with the Mighty Nine started in January 2018, and is still going today. They're currently in their third arc, and they're 36 episodes in at the time of this recording. Um, actually, when the episode releases then um, this Wednesday, the Thursday, they'll be recording episode 37 uh, to kick off. New York Comic Con. So, episode 37 is incoming. Uh, January 11th, specifically, this year when it came out, the second campaign's first episode peaked at 135,000 views on Twitch and YouTube, compared to their first campaign's finale that only averaged about 40,000 views. So, and is that in, like views or like um at like viewers like watching like watching them in like live? Yeah, that that was like them watching them live. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, I remember watching. I was like, man, this is a lot of people here watching these people play Dungeons & Dragons. Yeah, Twitch usually has a two different uh, section between views total and viewers at one time. Gotcha. Yeah, no, but it, it was it was viewers at one time. Because I, I when um, I was watching, I went back, I was like trying to see what the differences were. But this was like simultaneously 135 viewers, 1,000 viewers between Twitch That's and YouTube. That's insane. Yeah, because they average about 20,000, 30,000 views like weekly. Um, but this intro one was packed. Um, so they got ninja lo- numbers for a week. They did get ninja numbers. Yeah. 135,000 people tuned in to watch some nerds play D&D. Yeah, for like three hours. <laughs> it was pretty insane. That's and crazy. like I said, uh, on average they average about 30-40,000 viewers throughout like the four hours episodes so they still get pretty pretty steady numbers and basically like run the Dungeons and Dragons channel um on, on Thursday nights. Yeah. So, the big thing that they've kind of launched, set, basically since we did our Dungeons & Dragons recording, is in 2018, or June 2018, Critical Role launched its own Twitch and YouTube channel with the intent of self-producing new shows and content. Um, and although, like, Critical Role is going to remain on Geek & Sundry's channel for, for now, like, they've moved their set from the Legendary Digital Network Studios... Um, with Geek and Sundry to their own studio as of July 2018. So they're basically slowly but surely kind of like moving away from Geek and Sundry to kind of be like their own thing, which I think is relevant and I think they should do, mainly because like without 
the power of Critical Role. I don't know how great Greek Geek and Sundry's like Twitch channel will do. So I'm glad they're sticking on the Twitch channel for now. But I definitely foresee them moving off and kind of like being their own thing exclusively here in the next few years. I'm pretty sure. Yeah. At least they're large enough to possibly do that because we see that all the time that happens, and some of the people just are not large enough to do that. Yeah. Yeah, I, de- I definitely think. Why Geek and yeah. may not like that. Yeah, I'm not, we'll we'll see what happens. I mean, they at least let them move like their set to like this just like really dope set with like this huge ass table and like <laughs> smoke coming up behind them and stuff. Like it's like legit production, production values and everything. Um, even if like if you watch like their Twitch stream and they between their breaks like they'll stream commercials of, like other geek and sundry content and like chat does not want to watch anything other than like <laughs> the geek and like the critical role people so it's we'll, we'll see how it goes but for now they're still on the geek and Sundry channel but slowly kind of moving away from that process just because they've gotten so big and i think they're ready to kind of make the jump on their own other like media that's connected directly to critical role um that i'm not going to talk too too in depth about in like the but why those but i think they're still worth a mention to kind of get people caught up on and on things if you're ever wanting to like take the, the, the deep dive and get in, uh, more information about Critical Role in general. So they have Tox Machina, which is uh, basically a weekly fan-centered talk show where they discuss, like, last week's episode. Like, they'll bring on a cast member and they'll talk about, like, what happened in the show and things like that. It's essentially kind of like Talking Dead, I guess, is, like, the most, you know, recent thing that I can relate it to. Mm-hmm. Um they also do one-shots, and if you haven't listened to our D&D episode, one-shots are basically just, like, one-off, you know, um, games that really don't have really any any significance to, like, their overarching game. Like, some of them are completely random, and, like, there it was, like, an all-a-dream kind of thing, or it was, like, just com- something completely different. Like, they had, like, a honey heist and all these kind of things. They basically do them when they can't get the majority of the cast members together because, you know, they're voice actors, they're doing all these conventions and things like that, so... Every now and again, we'll do one-shots just for fun, and they'll bring in other guests, and they're pretty uh, entertaining to watch. Because sometimes they'll do them as, like, their characters in the game. So, like, picture, like, a barbarian, like, running his own game with, like, an intelligence of, like, eight. Mm -hmm. And it's pretty interesting. That's pretty cool. Yeah. So they also have a comic book that's pretty good that they've been that they've been producing over like the last year or so it basically just covers the events from like the pre-streaming days so it gives you a lot more background on the characters before we see them um in their popularity and it's pretty it's pretty good they had a webcomic series too that a couple of like the cast members did but they've gotten like um like their own publisher and everything like that to do like a legit comic book so it's really nice um basically all of their episodes now um, have been turned into the podcast form. So if you just only want the audio of what they talk about, whether that's like on Tox Machina or like one shots um, or the actual critical role episodes, you can find them basically anywhere you want in podcast form, which I think is um, convenient for a lot of people who don't want to sit there and just watch them um, roll dice. Yeah. Yeah. They also just recently released, uh, they've be- re- been releasing these uh, between the sheets episodes and this is like between like the D and D sheets not like the bed sheets <laughs> it's a very good name yeah it's like I think it's like very clever like they're they know they know what they're doing but it's essentially like a new segment where like they're they sit down with individual cast members 
and talk about their lives essentially. So getting like background, like what got them into this and things like that. They've done two so far um, at the time of this recording, one with Talison and one with Travis Willingham. And they've just been like really, really cool to kind of get more background on who they are as a person and kind of what got them there. And they're just really good tools to kind of, if you want to know what the cast members are like, it's a really great way to do it outside of what they're doing on Critical Role uh, every week. And something that they've been, they've been recently doing with this current campaign is the Critical Recap, where essentially someone just recaps the last week's previous episode in about 10 minutes or so. So it's a good way to catch up if you've missed it and you want to catch it live. Or yeah. if you just missed like the last like half, you can kind of like, you know, go in there and get it or just like a refresher so it's, it's pretty good um it's pretty i've done it you know once or twice and it's pretty um broad enough where you're not missing too much of the uh, what happened that week's episode and you're pretty much caught up for that thursday's episode okay so now we can get into some of the but why those and i think like the biggest but why those that um i wanted to cover for critical role was essentially the cast for one their impact on D D. Of course, their charity work, and then to finish it off, just their impact on their fans, and we'll mix in our fan, but why those into that. So before we get into that, do you have any burning questions about their background before we get into the cast? No. I want to hear you talk about it, and then I'll have questions. Matt? Uh -uh. Cool. So the, the cast. So the cast of Critical Role is filled with amazingly talented voice actors who are just like super nerdy and passionate about geekdom at the end of the day so despite all of their success from like really just doing D D in their kitchen to like having uh billboards promoting the second campaign in la like they're still the same down-to-earth people now as if you were to back go back and look at their home games um and it's just really really cool to see so you get basically the same people in terms of like how much they're into the game now as you would have in 2015. And I think a real big part of like they've been they've used their platform as like staples in the D&D community and the pop culture community in general um, to like be real open and connected with their fans on social media and at conventions. Um, I, I think it's a real connection when you watch them week to week for a number of years. Um, watching them and like watching them interact with like fans and stuff, it really reminds me of the connections you get when you watch people with like Twitch streamers and mm -hmm. stuff. Like I've like met Twitch streamers. I know you guys have met Twitch streamers, yeah. and like when you meet them, it's like really really cool. But I think Critical Role has the added bonus of like being able to hear their voices in games and in anime, where like when I hear their voices, I'm like, oh my god, that's Matthew Mercer. Like, yeah, that's awesome. Um, so I just think it gives you like an added level of connection that. I think it's really cool. And then, of course, because they're voice actors, they go in on their characters. Like, not only are they voice actors, but I think almost all of them have some background in theater or musical theater, like, at the college level. So, like, they're get, they get real, real into their characters. Um, I think the coolest thing is that, for the most part, based on, like, what I've seen from their character, like, them, like, themselves as individuals... Their characters really aren't even how they are in real life, so it just <laughs> gives you like an added, you know, level of like dimension and like depth to the story to know that like they're that into it that they're basically embodying a new person. Um, That's really so cool. So be because like that, because like how how much they care about it, like I've seen genuine laugh, I've seen like them like legitimately crying like when a character dies or um, something happens, and I've seen like tears of like joy when they've 
community overcome like a big obstacle and heartbreak and things like that. And it all seems genuine to me. I don't yeah. think they're you know laying it on thick at all. Because I really do think that they like turn off their brains when like the cameras are rolling at this point, and they just get in there and play. Yeah. So I was gonna ask you. I don't know. I don't know if you know this. Uh, you know, maybe somebody's kind of talked about it. So have they always like when they were playing at home? Did they also like put this much like life into their characters, or is this something that they're doing? I mean, because obviously watching them on a Twitch stream or listening to them, having that acting value is really important to, like, keeping audiences in. But do you know if, like, they were this dedicated when they were, you know, doing it, like, home games and stuff? Yeah, so for, for like, the home, like, YouTube videos that I've seen, they're that into it. And I was listening to the Between the Sheets with Travis Willingham, um, who's married to Laura Bailey. And he said that when he first went in there, he wasn't, he didn't really know what to expect. And, like, as soon as, like, they walked in the door, his wife, Laura Bailey, like, automatically got into, like, this British accent that she just used <laughs> for, like, the entire time they were there. So they were into it basically from the start, which okay. is probably why, like, Felicia Day was so interested in, like, bringing them on for Geek yeah. Century. Yeah, that makes sense. And that also, that also helps, too, right? Because, like, it's not an act for the camera. Like, it's an act, but it's, like, these people genuinely are here to play and, like, do this. Like, they're doing this as a piece of the game, not just as, like, their job. Yeah, and like the, like some like the big controversy that you might see like on Reddit or on Twitter and stuff is that it's all scripted and they they know what's going to happen. But I think it's just more so they're just really really good at voice acting and acting yeah. that it just comes off as really really genuine. And I don't think people can like handle like how good they are at it. <laughs> yeah. So we'll break down the cast. We'll talk about some of the things that they're in. I mean, these people are in like way more of the things that I'm going to list. But I think these are just like the most Thing, like most notable things that people would might know them from. So we'll start with Matthew Mercer, who is the dungeon master. And again, like the world that they're in, he made this. Like that, it still like blows my mind to this day that he made the world. Essentially, like he knows all of like the maps and like the people and stuff, and he balances so many different characters and voices yeah. throughout like the campaign that it's actually insane. And I don't know how a human being can do it. So, like, um, what are the things when we met some, we met some devs at PAX, or not devs, yeah, devs, uh, narrative uh, narrative designers for um, some games at PAX West and talking to them and stuff, and they were saying, like, yeah, if you're a DM, put that on your list or in your resume. Like, that's world building. That is narrative design. Like, that's a life skill, especially for, you know, being in that industry. And so, like, it's really cool, like, just seeing how much work DMs put in and then, like, listen to you kind of, like, talk about how, how Mercer knows everything. Like, he is, like, living in this world. Um, and I'm just kind of like, man, there are more things that just need to go on resumes that revolve around D&D or video games and stuff like that. But... Yeah. No, you're, you're exactly right. It's, like, insane. Like, this is a very, very expansive world that, like when people ask him things on like the fireside chats or like the you know the talks mocking and stuff like he just knows it i'm just like and he's not like pulling out of his butt like, like he, he he made that and like i've made one shots for like my family and stuff and like trying to remember like the innkeeper's name is like hard for me <laughs> i can't imagine like remembering an innkeeper's name of like the town seven towns over yeah and the hope that they might go there that day. Like, it's just really, really cool. Um, but, like, one of the biggest things is that he just embodies whatever character that, you know, whether it's, like, a small innkeeper's wife to 
just like this giant ogre like he is able to embody these characters super well and even like the cast members whenever he brings out a new character they're just blown away by how well he does the voices so he's done things like hit in dragon ball super i know like when i first saw hit i know you guys might not be familiar with dragon ball super but i know when i saw the dub i was like oh my god is that matthew mercer <laughs> and i was just blown away and i was just so much more invested in that you know arc because i knew it was matthew mercer so i'm very uh, this is my like plug of like it doesn't matter if you watch sub or dub you know, as long as you just watch it uh, he's also mccready in fallout fallout 4 he's mccree in overwatch and levi in attack on titan uh, he's been in a whole bunch of other stuff i think those are just like kind of the biggest ones that people might know um, at first at first mention so since we are talking about matthew mercer and we talk about all this crowd interaction are we going to talk about kind of like what's going on today where a lot of people are upset with him oh yeah because they're upset with like his political stances yeah and stuff. yeah i mean like i know it's just been a lot recently so that's why i asked yeah this. no i mean i was reading it this morning like to be honest and i just think that like a lot of it is just because they're still just real people yeah you know? it was kind of like our stuff right like yeah at it's the like end of the it, day it's like that's his show that's his, what he's created and i mean granted like there is like you you conduct yourself differently but ultimately like if it's something that he's creating and it's his art it's gonna have his opinions in it because you can't that that that's art well, it's not right? even so much what his his opinions are in his art it's more of him having opinions i think in the first place yeah yeah people just don't like people having opinions on things <laughs> well, yeah no yeah. well yeah no no i yeah. i'm saying like in his defense for this whole thing like if it's something you create you're putting yourself into it so of course you're there like of, of course they're there but then at the same time like not, not at the same time, but, like, from what those people are saying, they're like, how dare you have an opinion and say it, and now I'm going to boycott your show. But probably not really. Yeah. yeah I mean, and they run into things like that all the time. Yeah. Um, so, like, Matthew Mercer, um, his wife, Marisha Ray, who's um, on the show as well, like, they're, and Leo O'Brien. I mean, all of them really are pretty ad, um, vocal advocates of, like, something or another, and they get tacked constantly on Twitter for, for their views but they're just they just uh, like ferociously will still defend and advocate for whatever they're advocating for. Matthew Mercer in particular is is real big on you know everything from like women's rights to um, you know mental health and things like that because he struggled with mental health in the past. So he's a big advocate on that. So and it's just interesting. And I'm glad you brought it up, Matt, because that was something that I wasn't sure if I was going to talk about or not. But like, there's just still real people, and I don't think that they're like. I don't think you should attack them on Twitter for having their views. It's like someone attacking Kate, like on Twitter for her like political views. Yeah, right? that happens all the time. Well, I guess it's yeah, just but I'm like, I'm just saying, like, yeah, it's yeah. still it's dumb whether it's like attacking Kate or attacking Matthew yeah. Mercer. Like, it's just frivolous and just silly. Well, <clears throat> I just think it's reached a point. I just think it's also one of those they've reached a point to be that big because obviously we yeah. see it all the time with celebrities, yeah, and like actual actors and whatnot. Saying they're not saying the voice actors below them, but you know, people that are on the well more like A list people. And we see it all the time, and then to see like you know people that play D and D on Twitch, yeah. <laughs> so yeah, I see what you're saying. So it's kind of like holy crap, you're having this type of backlash because you were this big and yeah. now with this celebrity status, and you're you go on Twitch and play D and D. Yes. Yeah, that makes sense. That is kind of weird. I hadn't thought about that. I mean, like I guess it's like this new world of like what celebrity means. I guess because like streamers now are celebs. 
You know what I mean? Yeah. They think they're celebs. Well, they think there's some of them <laughs> genuinely are, and some of them. Yeah. I mean, they they still get attacked when they say stupid, but they are like, but like attacking those people for saying stupid stuff like on stream is like not the same as attacking like Mer- well, Matthew and Mercer also, for yeah. them. Like, well, yeah, yeah, movie. and it, it's also different but, too that yeah. if it, it's like it's stupid stuff versus like a political view, like sometimes those crossover, but like crossing a line and using like wrong types of language on stream or anything like that, like that's a different thing then like at least from like what i understood like it wasn't necessarily even a political view that he shared like before the thing so much as it was like a we're standing with women type thing which i guess is extremely political now like that's one of the things that he didn't like stand up on his show and yell fuck trump before it and yet he was getting treated like he kicked somebody's baby yeah it was like really weird especially because like they don't ever talk about that stuff yeah in the games, like, ever. Like, they never talk about any of that stuff, like, while they're on stream. They conduct yeah. themselves, like, in a very, like, non-political fashion. Which is probably but, like, why it's people Twitter. got mad, Like, let the dude right? talk about what he wants to you on Twitter. Well, I mean, a lot of people do that. I mean, we have movie stars at all the time. I mean, I'm sure yeah. there's been at least one movie star or some form that you guys refuse to go watch their stuff just because... Yeah, I mean... Think, even though in their movies, they you would never... If you like somebody who does things, then you follow them and you watch them, it... it I find it really hard to believe that if you're a Critical Role fan getting mad about this, that you didn't already know that, that these actors had those opinions already, right? Like, it's... Yeah, no, you're, you're completely right. Especially, like, if you know anything about, like, his wife, Marisha Ray, who is, like, a huge advocate for, like, women's rights and stuff. Like, so you, do you expect Matthew Mercer not to be? Yeah. he's, like, married to her? Yes. Like, yeah, what? so it's just one of those things where it's kind of like... I. I just don't like the whole like, oh my god, why are you, why are you this way? It's like, well, they're very open on Twitter about things, and I would assume you follow them if you like them. So how are you just now picking up on this? Yeah, um, I think like the like the like the big point is for here is like Matt Matt's point of like they're at the celebrity where they get yeah. attacked like to like this ferocity, which is like a good and a bad thing. And the I cool guess. thing is too is like even in his response, which was great. They're also at the point where they can get attacked for this, and then they can say, okay, just don't watch our show, and they're perfectly fine. Yeah, exactly. Because that's pretty much what he said. He was just like, I'm not going to not support this, and I'm not going to back down, and you can just not watch us. I don't it's, need your viewership. I still find it interesting. Obviously, we're talking about like them personally, but the whole point of, like, we've talked about their art, per se, or their show, per se. Yeah. It had nothing to do with anything that they say. Oh, and I yeah. guess trying to have this people that some people cannot disconnect, I guess, some things. Yeah, from the person and the... Yeah. Because I'm like... I think so you don't also... want to watch D&D because it had nothing to do with, like, the actual show itself. Yeah. It's yeah, like, I... I don't want to go see this movie over something that had nothing to do with the yeah. actual movie itself. Because I think that there are some things that people create that have everything to do with what they're saying. Right. And that's a different situation than, like, we're going to go turn into our half-elves and druids and barbarians and play this game you know what i mean it's mm-hmm. it's interesting yeah but like at the end of the day, if you're not gonna watch it like just just don't watch it yeah you, you have to like add them on twitter yeah. don't, don't watch like, it I'm and not... don't harass the dude like just just yeah. go away yeah exactly but that's just where they're at now i don't think they <laughs> i don't think if he would have tweeted stuff like that three years ago he would have gotten any response from anybody so yeah Good for you, Matthew Mercer, for standing up for what you believe in. So, uh, other cast members include Ashley Johnson, who in the first campaign played a gnome cleric and is now playing in um, an SMR barbarian in the second campaign. Um, she has she has a whole bunch of credits, like dating back to like when she was a kid. But some of her biggest ones in terms of like voice acting 
and acting in general. Um, Gretchen Grundler from Recess. Yes. Yeah, Tara from Teen Titans. Gwen. The Teen Titans or whatever the hell that they keep trying to show. Well, us. she's she's done both. So she did like the old school Teen Titans. I guess not old school Teen Titans, but like the one on Cartoon Network, and then she did some of the Teen Titans Go. And I hope she never touches Titans. <laughs> Keep her far away from Titans. Do you know if uh, she voices Tara in the movie? Because of the, the Titans movie that they did? The animated I'm one? I'm pretty sure she does, because she voices Tara in Teen Titans Go. So, so I would imagine... they keep it with the same person? Yeah, I'm yeah. pretty sure they keep it with the same person. I'd okay. be surprised, though. I'm, I'm pretty sure they did. I don't think they'd like, not bring her on. She's like a big enough person for them, for them to bring her, I'm pretty yeah. sure. Then she's also Gwen in Ben 10. I like um, Gwen in Ben 10. Yeah, she did like she basically does like all the Gwens, like in all of the different seasons that they've <laughs> done for that show. But yeah, she was there from the beginning. She's also Ellie from Last of Us One and Two. And her biggest role that kind of keeps her from bouncing in and in and out of being on Critical Role like weekly is Patterson on Blind Spot, which she films like in New York. So she has to like go like sometimes she skypes in, sometimes she gets like a break and gets to go to that LA that and with the crew. Uh, she's she's still filming it. Oh, okay. Yeah, I keep thinking sure it got canceled. Too. I keep thinking it gets canceled, but it keeps going. She's been doing it for like a long. long yeah, I time. remember hearing about it a few years ago, but then I thought it was just like mm-hmm. people didn't care for it. No, I mean that's also the reason why Sif didn't come back. Right. Yeah, that makes sense. Blind spotted. I don't watch spot. cable TV, so there's everything. a few shows that. Basically, if I don't see you really on Netflix or something, I'm like, well, I guess they're done. If your show doesn't come on Netflix, it never existed. <laughs> Pretty much. Welcome to, welcome to it my It is world. true, though. I guess I've never seen, like, I haven't even seen that thing, like, on Hulu. Or I haven't even looked for it, like, on Hulu, so I'm not sure. But I she's had it in my queue on, that, on Hulu, so. and then I was just like, mm, I have other stuff to watch. True. That's basically what it comes down to. Um, but she, yeah, so she's she's in and out, but I think her biggest contribution was definitely, like, her connection with Felicia Day. Mm-hmm. And just getting that whole thing rolling. So, like, oh, and they... sorry, and she is a voice actress and like a actress, live action actress. Yeah, too. right. She's so, like yeah. one of the few who does both. I think she's like one of the only ones who does like both consistently. Yeah, that's cool. Yeah. Uh, so there's also Laura Bailey, um, one of my favorites on the show. Uh, she's a she played a half 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 elf ranger in Rogue in Campaign One, and now she plays a tiefling cleric in Campaign Two. Um, her voices include Kid Trunks uh, slash Gotenks in Dragon Ball Z, uh, Keiko in Yu Yu Hakusho, Chung Lee in some of the more recent Street Fighters, Nadine Ross in Uncharted, which she was nominated for Best Performances for, and Jaina Proudmore in World of Warcraft, and a whole bunch of other ones. She She's, has such a great voice. Yeah, she has a great voice and such a wide range. She's yeah. very, very rangy, which is probably why she has so many credits but i think those are just some of the, the biggest ones and the ones that i recognize her from from kid most trunks often. to jane and proudmore yeah right like that's huge <laughs> huge jump um and she's also done a bunch of motion capture stuff so she did motion capture stuff for uncharted she did some motion capture stuff for shadows of mordor too so she's even getting into that realm which i think is super awesome nice. um liam o'brien he played a half-elf rogue paladin in Campaign 1 and now plays a human wizard in Campaign 2. He has credits for Nephrite in Sailor Moon Crystal, Gara in Naruto, and Illidan Stormrage in World of Warcraft. 
um, which I think is another pretty big range. And Illidan Stormrage's voice is like one of my favorites in World of Warcraft. So, nice. and he's super cool. Yeah, Nefrate and Gara are like two completely different characters. What do you think of like personality and voice? Yeah, and even his characters that he's playing in Critical Role are completely opposite. I think they're both very opposite to his personality too. If you like follow him on Twitter or see him talk like on some of the other yeah. um, shows, then you have Marisha Ray uh, again, Math- uh, married to Matthew Mercer. Um, she played a half elf druid in campaign one and now plays a human monk in campaign two. She doesn't have like as many big um, credits just because she's newer into, she's younger and she's newer into the voice acting um, arena. But Margaret from Persona 4, AJ Mason in Friday 13th, the game. That's dead. And yeah. yeah. Uh, but her big thing right now is that she's basically the creative director for Critical Role and is basically like headlining like their move away from Geek and Sundry and stuff. So she keeps well, well busy and she is uh, gets into character really, really well. Like her characters are completely different from campaign one to campaign two. Yeah. Sam Regal, uh, he played a gnome bard in campaign one and now he plays a female goblin rogue in campaign two. Like Matt and Gnome. Yeah, he plays best. little characters. Um, <laughs> He's voiced Donatello in Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, the 2003 to 2010 cartoon, and Revan in Winx Club. And a whole I bunch love of other... Winx Club. Winx Club is great. I just want to <laughs> say that right now. not what I expected from putting that in there. The Winx Club is amazing. It used to be on whatever, whatever kids. It's on yeah. Netflix. If you're looking for a nice anime-esque show to watch about girl power, go watch The Winx Club. It's actually really, really good. Yeah, well, I watched he it when was... it was coming out like years ago. <laughs> Way too much excitement for that. Yeah, it's I just a was good not expecting show. that. I was not expecting Winx Club, uh, but judging since it was, I remember it being on there. I, I just, I just pass on it every time. But he was Riven in Winx Club and a whole bunch of like background, um, background characters and lots of video games. Fun and fact: stuff. Winx Club is actually an Italian animated series. I did. Not I know that. did not know it either. Already. <laughs> I'm gonna have a Winx Club episode, guys. Jesus, that will be you talking Jeez. to yourself. <laughs> probably because I can't find any other fans out there. Probably. Yeah. If you're awesome. listening to this, please tell me that I mean, you're a fan. And well, they're around just... to please you and you only. Huh? I, mean, I said the Winx Club is around to please yes. people like you and you only. Yes. Fact. I'm. Um, I'm just. I'm just glad I put it in there. Sorry. I guess. <laughs> <laughs> Um, Sam Sam Regal's pretty cool because he doesn't like do any voices and he's probably like the least veteran of the people who do like the show but he's still like funny entertaining enough where it doesn't really matter and people forgive like his stupid mistakes pretty often that's funny um, but his his sister uh, Tatiana Regal uh, is a big um, Hollywood editor so she's like gotten like awards and, and like works with like Quentin Tarantino and stuff so she's he's always like at her events and stuff so he's a good brother and a good actor voice actor um we have Talison Jaffe who played a human gunslinger in campaign one um and a tiefling blood hunter in campaign two um don't at me for this I know I'm just trying to keep it spoiler light um he's voiced things like Basil Hawkins in One Piece, 
Blanca in Street Fighter, and, and he's the Flash in Mortal Kombat versus DC, and again a whole bunch of other you know background characters and stuff like that. The game was um, also terrible. What Mortal Kombat versus DC? I love that game. It was PG thirteen for a Mortal Kombat game. It was. But I, I would. I whooped some ass in that game. I love that game. I mean, I like it better than Street Fighter. That's probably, like, my, like, most unpopular opinion about video games is I hate Street Fighter, and I think it's awful. But I don't like any yeah. fighting game, so it doesn't matter. I love fighting games, but <laughs> Yeah, I, I play Mortal Kombat over Street Fighter. Yeah. I'm just not, like, I don't just have, like, the macro or the micro for <laughs> Street Fighter. I don't have, like, the big-ass thing that you're supposed to have when you play Street Fighter. Oh. And that is just not the best. Have you ever, like, watched those people play, like, in tournaments and stuff? I also just think, like, the Street Fighter fan base are probably, like, fighter, like, people who play fighters are, like, automatically kind of dickish, but, like, the Street Fighter ones are, like, the worst, in my opinion, from interacting (laughs) with them, so. Yeah. But, I mean, two of these people are voices in Street Fighter, so Well, that's cool. Yeah. (laughs) I like Uh, the characters. (laughs) Don't like the game. (laughs) <laughs> game might be broken about 10 years too if not less Kate's hot takes Street Fighter and, uh, sucks the movie is terrible um, I think how dare you insult fun. that movie no I mean that movie really is terrible that movie is pretty fun <laughs> that movie is fun guys I remember watching it as a kid going this isn't bad then I watched it as an adult going oh this was very bad See, that may be the problem. I haven't watched it as an adult. Oh, I did. I, when it came Don't. on Netflix, I did. It might be like Mortal Don't Kombat. Uh, exactly. Was it the one we tried to watch? Oh, it is. No, the no, no. The, the first Mortal Kombat still holds up. The second one. The second one's awful. The one with Jax. That so, one is So, awful. to be fair, the Street Fighter movie is better than Mortal Kombat movie, but it's not by much. And Mortal Kombat 2. They're both terrible. Movie. No, the first Mortal Kombat movie is amazing. Uh, if you would listen to what I'm saying, oh. I said, <laughs> See, it's what you get for not listening. <laughs> I said Street Fighter is better than the second Mortal Kombat movie, but they're both still off. Oh, gotcha. Okay. Won't accept slander. Okay. I'm sorry. Watch as a kid, but also like John John Claude Van Damme very much as a kid. Oh, yeah. And then I grew up and watched it and I was like, this is awful and terrible. I just know Gomez is Captain Bison. That's why I liked it. In his balloon inflatable weird suit. It was so cool. Maybe. Looks like Shazam's suit. Well, not far <laughs> off. <laughs> okay, let's move on. Critical Role, Critical Role, sorry. Um, so the last uh, cast member, Travis Willingham, he played a Goliath barbarian fighter in Campaign 1, and now he plays a half-elf orc in Campaign 2. He's done um, some pretty big names, so like Roy Mustang in Full Metal Alchemist, yeah. uh, Heretic in Batman Bad Blood, uh, Mori in uh, Uran High School Host Club. I put that in Oron. there for Oran. See, I don't watch. Oran High School Host Club. I'm guessing you're Stephani. a big fan of that too. I am. Stefani watches that. It's not my it kind of anime. It is great shoujo. I put it in there for like the show, the shoujo fans. It's um, great. But he's married to Laura Bailey, and I love. So is everybody just Twitter. married on this thing? Well, how do you think they got Travis, started? They all had a family get together. Oh yeah, that's true. basically what it is. So Matthew Mercer and Marcia Ray are married, and then Travis and. Laura are married and they just had a baby like nine weeks ago. Gotcha. Uh, which their um, r- reveal was beautiful and very nerdy. <laughs> so in addition to these char- um, these cast members, because of their connection to Geek and Sundry, they've had like lots of really great guest stars who come in for you know one or one or two episodes. So Felicia Day, of course, has been on there. Will Wheaton, who I don't think needs any introduction, 
Uh, he like whenever he comes on, like things go bad. So like any dice <laughs> that Will Wheaton touches, they like don't use That's because funny. they're cursed, uh, essentially. Uh, Noelle Stevenson, um, she's the one, the creator and the showrunner for the new Shira show that's going to be com- coming out. John Hader, Napoleon Dynamite. Um, I'm going to mispronounce his name again. Joe Magniello. Yeah, Joan Ma- Joe Magniello. Joe Magniello. Big, yeah, from True Blood. I love him. It, I'll seed her though on True Blood. Gross. Yeah, I don't watch True Blood. But I know that he's married to Sylvia Vigara. And, and their that's where children I, will be insanely attractive. Yeah, because he, he is an attractive dude. Mm-hmm. So him and Travis being like on the same set is like crazy because they're just like two just giant men who play Dungeons and Dragons, but I think it's really nice. That that's really cool. He he's yeah. also Deathstroke in the DZ and shambles you. <laughs> I forgot about that. But she actually does. I look forgot cool, about that too, actually. It, Jesus, I forgot about that. He actually looks pretty good too. Yeah, he looks, he looks really good. Great as Slade. But the rest of your thing can burn down. <laughs> Um, so some of the newer ones have been, um, Carrie Payton. He does lots of voices, like lots of DC voices, but most notably, uh, Cyborg for the animated shows. Um, Sumla Lee Montano, 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 um, she's Asian, so I know, like, I know they pronounce it differently, but I just couldn't find exactly where they pronounce her name. But she's super, super good, and I really love the episode that she was on because she, like, she just has like this voice in the game that's like just so soothing and like nice. But the characters that she's played or that she's voice acted for, like Admiral Sanda and Voltron, if you're familiar with like the new Voltron series in um, on Netflix, Admiral Sanda's a dick. <laughs> so it's like the dichotomy there is like really crazy, and uh, she's also Mira in Thrones of Atlantis, the animated. Uh, movie as well so who kills uh, a lot of people yes Mira's <laughs> so awesome in the animated universe yeah and they have a, a whole bunch more i just thought that these were like the ones that at least kate would know the most so I, that's why i put these ones i in mean there. obviously i had like 10 outbursts <laughs> so but at the end of the day like the cast feels like a big family um part of that's because like some like half the cast is married to each other but the other part is like they've just known each other for so long, they've been in the industry for so long, that whenever you watch them, it really just feels like family. It doesn't ever feel like there's like they hate each other. They feel like they generally want to be there. Um, and like although I've never met any of them, even though I really really do want to meet some of them, like I feel like they're my friends a little bit. And I know when Travis and Laura they announced their baby that they were having a baby with like a character sheet, and like football stuff and it was like uh like uh little willingham or something like that it was just like really cute and i was like oh this is adorable this is like this is the geek way to announce your baby is to like make a little character sheet if you're like that big in D &D. that's cute favorite geekdom reveal i've seen there's a reveal that happened not too long ago where somebody ended up setting a fire to a thing and burned down 470 some thousand acres well, that's not fun. I had to balance this out. It was getting weird. <laughs> that made it not weird? <laughs> what? I'm so confused. Adrian, just keep going. Pretend like this didn't happen. Um, so the next thing I just want to talk about is their impact on Dungeons & Dragons as kind of um, that that realm. 
So if you haven't listened to episode 59, which you should go back and listen to, um, D&D has had like a big up and down trajectory since the, the late 70s and early 80s, uh, where they've had like really, really big peaks. Then stuff like people saying that they were worshipping the devil happened, and people stopped playing, um, and then like printer presses went out. So like they've just been up and down over like the last few decades. Specifically during the late 2000s, D&D was on a bit of a downturn, mostly because people didn't like the fourth edition that had come out. Um, and I really think Critical Role switching over from Pathfinder, which was like what everyone was playing instead of the fourth edition, to the fifth edition really helped people forget that fourth edition was a thing and brought people back into playing D&D because they thought they saw that like this new edition was legit and it wasn't like terrible like the one that came before it. Um, so ultimately the cast in and of itself is from different walks of life and I think it really helps break the stigma surrounding the kind of people who play D&D. Um, for in particular like um, Travis who's like a 6'3 guy, 6'3 six, six just giant white guy who played football and swam at TCU. When did he play football um, at TCU? This would have had to have been in the 90s, like late, late 90s. Okay. Because I thought you yeah. said like 2000s, and I didn't know if he was part of the cocaine era. No, <laughs> no. This isn't like Oh, late. gosh, this is a giant of a man. Yeah, yeah. he's huge. Yeah, he's, he's super big. Um, but he also, like, he was there, like, on, like, a small football scholarship, or, like, like, small athletic scholarships, but he was also there on a bigger, like, musical theater scholarship, which he decided to focus on, but he... That is really cool. I'm there to play football and be in musicals. Yeah, because, like, basically, like, what he did in high school was mo- mostly musicals, but he was also, like, 6'3", so he could, like, still play football, so he had, like, that dynamic of being a jock and, like, a nerd, which is really interesting, but he was talking about on the Between the Sheets episode, like how he was worried about when they decided to start streaming it, like how he'd be perceived in terms of like the roles he'd be able to get and things like that. Um. But after a conversation with his wife, Laura, she basically told him like, who cares what people think, <laughs> right? So like, and then he talked about like, well, now that he's been, you know, the big guy, you know, not stereotypical nerd on the show... So many like jockey guys, you know, have power lifters and uh, football players and stuff have gone up to him and told him that like they he got them into D and D because he, they saw that they didn't have to be a certain way, they didn't have to get judged or whatever to be um, in D and D openly and playing every week. So, and you can see that kind of like with all with all the cast, they come in all different shapes and sizes and stuff. So. I can see that in each one of them that they probably brought in some kind of people into D&D just based on like who they are as people, which I think is really, really cool. But specifically for Travis as kind of a um, you know former jock in high school, like that really, really shows a whole bunch to how these people bring life to D&D that I think wouldn't be there otherwise. That's really cool. Uh, yeah, he's nice. I'd like to meet him. But he's also a Cowboys, like a diehard Cowboys fan. So, like, I don't know. Because he's from Dallas. So, I don't know how ah. much. He would, yeah. he should not listen to our NFL episode. Yeah, probably not. <laughs> Travis, if you're listening, don't listen to that episode. Um, and I hope your son isn't an Eagles fan when he gets older. We, uh, so, in addition to that, we've talked a lot a bit about like, how the viewership, how much viewership they've had. Um, with, when they just literally had people watching them play D&D, so like over 135,000 people watching them 
their across all their videos they have to have had like over 600 million or 60 million views over the course of all of their videos up to this point and i think a lot of that is just thanks to twitch and youtube being such big platforms i will never thank youtube for anything okay you don't have to good i'm so confused i do not like what youtube does half the time in their platform and how they treat their platform and all their people well no that's fine it he's just saying that success is thanks to the fact that twitch and youtube are huge i know yeah that doesn't mean i have to they like were on YouTube. youtube before they were i just don't know where this I, came from i didn't say you had to like youtube nobody's like waterboarding <laughs> you to like youtube yeah <laughs> i'm sorry my bad hold on let me get back let me do an outburst on how much i love youtube like the winx club and we'll be okay <laughs> i mean yeah <laughs> you just go back uh, to talking about the winx club <laughs> But, like, from their house games to having, like, half a million views, like, per episode um, on YouTube on the low side and turning out twenty to 30,000 people every Thursday night, I think it says a lot about the cast and the content that they produce. So, like, there's lots of D&D groups, but none of them have had the success that Critical Role has. Even, like, the ones on Geek and Century who do other Dungeons & Dragons stuff don't have this kind of success and I can't think of any D&D group that's even close to the amount of success that Critical Role has had uh, like they had billboards in LA promoting their campaign to premiere I don't know if that's something that would have happened you know, 10 years ago when people were hating on 4th edition mm-hmm. um, to now being able to sell out theaters across the country um, like not very very big theaters so like for example they're going to be at New York Comic Con the weekend that this episode comes out and they're going to be doing a live show in the United Palace on October 4th which has a capacity of about 4,000 still a which lot is like, of people yeah which is like the biggest one that they've ever been in they've been in theaters of like one to 2,000 um, but they're, the show that show's almost sold out um, also, and that's like that's what I say also for people that are interested in New York Comic Con we will have somebody there covering New York Comic Con yeah, and producing content for us so if you're looking to see what's going on there and stuff, feel free to check out the website. Yeah, but why the podcast.com? Yeah, so it's like it's basically like four thousand people who are just going to go and paid money to watch people play Dungeons and yeah, Dragons. Yeah, because at least on Twitch you're not like paying money; you're just watching yeah. it. This is yeah. Yeah, like these are people who are going out of their way to go to somewhere in like a different part of New York to watch them play Dungeons and Dragons, and I think it's like three fourths sold out already. Um, last time I checked, so it's going to be. I think it's a pretty big deal, and I think it's just, like, unapologetic geek fandom, and I'm all about it. Like, I don't think Gary Gaix, who basically created Dungeons & Dragons, ever thought that the game he was playing with his kids would be this big to this day, Um, mainly because printer presses are a lot better now, (laughs) but I also think because Geek & Sundry and Critical Role have, like, really put D&D on the map um, to a huge, huge extent. We have jet printers. So, like, I do want to, like, also point out to you, like, I don't, because I don't see it, like, in your notes there, but, like, the fact that there are so many um, role-playing streams now, like, Hyper, was it Hyper RPG, there's um, Roll, I think it's, like, Roll for something, hold on. Swords and Sundry, I believe, is one of them, I believe, it's another one of their shows. Yeah, roll for it as well. They're doing a Buffy campaign, like a Buffy tabletop. Like, uh, there's just like there's so much out there that it's just it's insane. And I think I think none of that gets done without 
this success here because now people are kind of like, oh, this is this is viable. We can do this, and we can put a lot of money and production into this because um, people actually want to see people get together and play games. Yeah, I think the other big part of it too is um, even like with this platform, so they get together with even celebrities and bring celebrities on for D and D, who I never thought would like play Dungeons and Dragons. Um, so like they brought in, I think like the latest one they did, what they did with Terry Crews. That's uh, super cool. And it was super awesome because they did like a World of Warcraft campaign for like the release of Battle of Azeroth, and like Terry Crews just ran around and screamed as like a orc captain, <laughs> which is like everything you think it would be. Uh, you know, Vin Diesel's done done one where he's like a um, he's like a witch hunter kind so of thing. So how many so, like, times have you watched that? Uh, I've I've watched it twice, once by myself, and then another time to show Stefani that it was an actual thing. <laughs> I was like, I figured like that's something you would have like on repeat because it's two of your biggest loves. Yeah, uh, and then also like they've also had uh, Sam from Game of Thrones, um, John Bradley as well, come on. So like they even span or span into like celebrities in terms of like some of it's like seamless promotion, but like the other part of it is like these people actually do play D and D too. So it's showing that like it's a wide range of people that I don't know was like this wasn't here like when you know we were in school. Oh yeah, you know what I mean. Um, so one of the uh, last ones is their charity work and they've really just taken their position as a staple of pop culture seriously and have truly dedicated themselves to using their geekdom for good which with our community we're super a fan of we love charities who use their geekdom for good um, they've raised hundreds of thousands of dollars for some really great charities um, at this point they don't even accept gifts anymore like they just say we're just going to send them back to you if you send them to us because they used to get sent, like, pizzas and, like, swords and stuff, like, mid-game. From pizza and to they, a sword. Yeah, like, in the early days of when they were just streaming um, in 2015. But now they just tell them, hey, we're just going to send it back to you. Use that money. Donate to nonprofits. And each cast member has their own preferred nonprofit that they work with, which I think is really cool. So Sam Regal works with Pavlov, the Pavlov Foundation, which is childhood a childhood cancer organization. Uh, Liam O'Brien... The, works with the Planetary Society, which is Space and Engineering Education. Marisha Ray works with the the Nature um, con, Conservancy. Conser, Conservancy. So those last two are the only ones that matter. Let's keep going. <laughs> <laughs> um, Land and Water Conservation Fund. Yeah, because childhood cancer doesn't matter. There's like 700 charities. I mean, there are like 700 <laughs> charities for that. I could throw a dollar out the window and I bet a childhood cancer charity would catch it. Uh, Matthew Mercer works with First Book, who gives who like works with like donated books That's to disadvantaged really cool. kids. I like that. Um, Talison uh, Jeffrey works with First Place for Youth, which supports kids in foster care. Travis uh, Willingham has a lot of connection to like military and stuff, so he was really big when they worked with Stackup. But he also does a lot of work with Operation Supply Drop, which is veteran support. Um, Laura Bailey, My Friend's Place, which is a homeless youth support organization. Um, Ashley Johnson Amnesty Human Rights Organization. Amnesty International and, or just Amnesty? Um, I'm not sure. It says like 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 the biggest human rights it's organization. It's Amnesty International. Okay, sorry. Yeah, so whatever the big one is, yeah. I'd imagine. Um, yeah, and Brian, who's like one of the, he's like, kind of like the the MC for a lot of their events. Works with Inside Out Writers, which is at risk youth support. 
Um, so some other charities, like this is not all of them, but I think this is some of the, like, the biggest ones that they've worked with in terms of like the money they were, they were able to raise uh, for like on-stream donations and things like that. Like they've worked with them to do like, if they rolled a one, we'll give you $100 and stuff. And they raised a whole bunch of money through some of these organizations. So Extra Life, of course, everyone knows Extra Life. Um, 826LA, which is a organization in LA that works with like kids to promote to, like their creative uh, writing skills and like they go do like D&D stuff for them and stuff so really really great stack up um, which I'll let Kate explain here in a second because we can't talk about stack up without plugging it and doctors without borders but my favorite one was definitely the stack up one just to see uh, people like Elvis who is our stack lead and people like Travis like working together in this organization but like the, the main part of like this section here is like they could have easily just kept getting free stuff from fans, right? Like they could have just kept giving all of these gifts and things like that, but they totally turned away from that and said just give to, you know, your charities and that's more than enough for us. And I think that's really really great and is truly using geekdom for good and fandom for good, which I love a whole bunch. And probably like one of the most like one of the biggest reasons why um, I watch them every every week is because they're always partnering with some kind of charity every single week um, to send any, any of the donations they get from Twitch and things like that directly to those charities, which is uh, amazing. So we'll wrap up with their impact on fans and some of our fan, but why those um, on why they matter, why Critical Role matters so much. So community is, is everything in Geekdom, I think, and um, I've said it multiple times, I love community surrounding things. Sometimes it's good, sometimes it's bad. Um, but Critical Role really does have an amazing community that surrounds them. The Critters uh, is what they're called on uh, social media and such. Really love the team at Critical Role. And the amount of arts and cosplays and fan fiction that have spawned from just these eight people playing Dungeons & Dragons together for six years is really insane to me. Like, I was scrolling through my Twitter feed and I saw someone who was cosplaying as... Um, Laura Bailey's new character, who's like the tiefling cleric, who like all they really have is like art, really. Like they've Laura Bailey's like never dressed up as like that character, but like she made a cosplay dedicated to that character, which I think is just crazy. And just an example of just like one way that fans really, really do love the content produced by Critical Role. Uh, Twitch and YouTube streams, reaction videos, live tweet threads, sub like they have a whole subreddit dedicated to them. Um, it, they they just all join thousands of people together for three to four hours a week to get away from like their daily problems and such. And I just think that's really really powerful. Whether they can't catch that episode, their their vods really provide people a way for people to kind of catch up and get in on the conversations. So on the subreddit specifically, there's conversations all the time happening about what they think is going to happen next and what think what they caught that should have been caught or and things like that. Just really great conversations. Um, and in this, you just share really deep moments with character development or like high moments, high moments of them killing the big bad for that. And just watching that in person, like live, is just really, really different in terms of, you know, fandom that I've never really experienced. Like watching Hulk get boxed up by Thanos was amazing to see in the theater but watching like the closing arc of the first campaign is like a different level of investment that I can't really explain I think it just really comes down to like watching 373 hours of a campaign and then watching it finally come to an end is like a different kind of feeling that I don't really get when I watch like comic book movies not that they don't make me feel stuff but like this is it was just different 
watching them finish out that campaign. Then some of our fan but why those that we got from Twitter uh, at Getsu083 Charles, who is one of our patrons. I was waiting for I was waiting for Matt to say lovely patrons. Oh, Matt, say lovely one of our patron. lovely patrons. There we go. Uh, critical Ratter, critical role matters because I've seen several people talk about how they first discover tabletop RPGs through them, and that's magic so many people should experience. I agree. And then a four-tweet thread from Barg the Ogre on Twitter. Okay, but why? Okay, but why though? PC. Here's why critical rat, critical role matters to me. It is a stellar example of D and D and role playing that is both accessible to new players and engrossing for seasoned vets. The cooperative story being told by the players is enthralling and an amazing mix of action, drama, and comedy while keeping you guessing and providing twists along the way. Fun fact, if you wanted to binge at Critical Role, it would take 15 15 days, 16 hours, 40 minutes at the time of this posting, which is a lot of... It's a lot of time. (laughs) It's a lot of time. I say that as somebody who's rewatched all 13 seasons of Supernatural. Yeah. Uh, the community has sprung up from the show, is amazingly supportive, spawning um, deluge of mind-blowing fan art and supporting a number of good charitable causes. It puts a focus on the amazing creative and performing talented cast, chief among them DM Matthew Mercer and DND savant Sam Regal, who was a newbie to the hobby and ends up with the MVP in so many combats. Finally, it matters because it is helping throw off the stigma that has dogged D&D and shown a light on a misunderstood hobby that brings joy to many nerds. I recommend it to anyone who shows an interest in RPGs if they want to know more. And then finally, I got one from Reddit. I'm just going to double check to see if there's any more. So we all, I also posted a quick Reddit thread of basically just asking kind of like our overarching question, like why does Critical Role matter? Like why do people love Critical Role? On the subreddit, um, our critical role and this is the one that really stuck out to me and the one that I'll go with and then we're going to link the thread in the show notes so this is from Twitza T-W-I-Z you mean Twista? 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 Twister like Twista 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 Twizzlers Twista Twista I'm reading it like Twizzlers I don't know why I think it's the big Z throwing me off. <laughs> uh, but anyway, so uh, my life can be divided into two parts, before and after my sister got sick. Suffice to say, her sickness made life difficult. There was a shouting match every day between her and my parents, self-harm, and she went in and out of hospitals all the time while almost dying. Uh, I was 11 when all this started. I quickly donned the mantle of the pillar in the family, a safe harbor, unbending in the storm. I never cried. I was always there for everyone else, although I never... Although I now realize I didn't have to do that. Make no mistake, my parents are awesome. If they knew how I felt, they would have done something. But I uh, persevered. I wanted to be that rock. What this meant, however, is I basically lost the ability to cry. I didn't cry when my as my cat died, when my grandparents, or anything. I bottled all that shit up, compressed it all into diamonds, and went on with it. And then episode 115 happened, which is the end of the first campaign Um, I don't know why it hit me so hard when our beloved rogue went into the void, but all the walls I had built up came crumbling down. Jesus Christ on a bike, I cried. Maybe the fact that I saw all of these people 
and especially the guys being able to be vulnerable to each other uh, made it happen. I don't know. But in the end, I don't bottle anything, everything up as much anymore. I'm okay with being vulnerable. Oh, that's sweet. Yeah. And that's that's the power of critical role. That's a good one. And there's some really, really great ones on here, too. Um, I recommend anyone who is interested in critical role definitely get in on their subreddit because they are um, really, really passionate and they catch stuff on there that I never would have caught if I was just watching it by myself. So that's really all I got. That's really all I got for uh, critical role. Any any final thoughts, questions, concerns, ideas? Uh, for final thoughts, um, I'm glad people enjoy this. It's cool. I see it grow big. People enjoy D and D. I still will probably never play D and see it grow big. Yep. <laughs> That's about how it goes. Put that on a shirt, y'all. Um, I'll still never probably play D and D, and I doubt I'll highly ever watch this. But I'm glad for all the people that enjoy it, and I see what it's done for a lot of people. But I'll play a video game if they make it. That actually, I'd actually be, be down good. to play that. Actually, I'd be really down you to play do that. Just base. because, like, the world of it. Because, like, it's really interesting. Um, because the campaign one and campaign two like are all set in the same world, right? Like campaign two is just set years after, so like technically, like they still like know about some of the events. So I would be interested in to play a game that kind of puts that, and they all like voice act the game. All right, I'm in. <laughs> Someone pick it up, please. You heard it here first. Wings Club is great. Street Fighter sucks. <laughs> YouTube is terrible, and there needs to be a critical world video game. Yeah. We're done. End the show. Do <laughs> <laughs> you have any final thoughts, Kate? Um, no, I mean, I just, I really enjoyed listening to it, and it really makes, it really has me, like, kicking myself that I haven't watched this. Um, and it also kind of, like, so the way I'm going to go into it is I'm going to probably just download the podcast and listen to the, uh, the audio, because that's just easier for me to go through. Um, but ultimately, maybe once I catch up, it'd be really good to actually start watching it live because it sounds like there's a lot of magic that happens live, and I can only imagine that it's like amplified by the chat. Um, oh, so ten out of really ten, cool. yeah. Um, I don't get to catch it as much as I would like on the live shows, but like when we do get to, when, I, when I do get to catch it live, it's definitely added to by the chat, and they do giveaways and stuff. There's a chance for you to win stuff too. Free things. But yeah. But yeah, I mean, that's my final thoughts is everything. Um, I love Critical Role. Um, I wish I got to play Dungeons and Dragons more, but I get my fix by watching them every week. Even if I don't get to catch it, their their vods um, get get the job done, and so do the podcasts. So definitely, lots of avenues for you to get into it. If you're not into it, um, and even if you just want to, it's like it's how I show people what D and D is at this point. Like I just go to like my favorite clips and I show them like this is what D and D is people getting around and rolling dice and having a good time that's really cool so thank you all for listening um please make sure to rate review and subscribe to us on itunes if you have if you love us and you still haven't left us an itunes rating or review please take the time to do that now um but like matt said earlier in the show you can catch up with all the new york city comic-con news um, by f- going to our website, bowetherpodcast.com, where we will have articles coming out from there. We do have somebody from the site covering it. Um, shout out. Thank you, Kristen Bates. You're the real MVP. Um, and then you can find the podcast at bowetherpc on Twitter. We've been doing a whole bunch of giveaways and stuff, so you can get involved that way. And we're really active on there. Um, also, you can find me at ohmymythrandier on Twitter. Adrian? Yeah, you can find me on Twitter at SuperReese93, S-U-P-E-R-R-U-I-Z, 93. Matt? You can find me watching Twitch. 
<laughs> oh, and we have an Instagram now. Apple Why the PC. Well, we have an alive Instagram. It was dead before. It went all Jesus. What? It resurrected. Oh God! <laughs> I didn't get that. Obviously. <laughs> That's funny.